Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Minds podcast. I'm Professor Selena Bartlett. I'm a professor at QUT and running a research lab at the Translational Research Institute. And today I'm really happy to say that I'm joined by Shelley Templeman. She also works with me at the Translational Research Institute in the first place. So this is going to be a great conversation. So welcome, Shelley. Hi, thank you for having me. And uh, we, we came across each other um, really interestingly through someone that I work with at QUT and she said to me, oh, you need to go and talk to Shelley. She's been reading your book smashing mindset and so we actually end up running into each other here in the building so uh that's how we got to know each other so can you tell everyone how you found the book and what happened yeah so back in 2018 i was looking at books that the building actually has as a well-being collection for us um and one of the books was smashing mindset and i thought oh that looks interesting so i took it home and read it it was a really interesting read yeah, and so you're also the mental health. Uh, yeah, I'm actually a qualified mental health first aider um, yeah. that the university put me through as well. So it really complemented um, what I had actually learnt in that as well. Yeah. So uh, can you describe exactly what a mental first aid person does? Because I notice there's more and more of those in the workplace. So I'm kind of yeah. curious to know what that involves. Yeah, so part of it is that... Uh, we aren't a counsellor, we aren't a qualified qualified person to actually um, give the person counselling, but we help the, uh, listen to people and give them direction to services that are available so that they can actually get the help that they need with regard to whatever their issue may be, even if it's not work-related, just to help them get the right support they need. And Shelley, you have to admit that since COVID-19, the pandemic... This, is, um, this has become really important, hasn't it? And we were just discussing before we started the interview, you know, some of the changes you've noticed in the workplace over this. Yeah, I've really noticed that um, people really need to be supported at this time. And I've really noticed that just being there and listening to people um, talk about what they're going through is helping them to actually just um, let go of some of it and also just see some positives of what we can do each day as little things so sometimes I'll just say to somebody is there anything little that you can do with your kids is there something that you can do in the morning before you come to work just like to what make, sort of things do you suggest to um, them? even just taking the kids to the park um, having making sure you go and get your favorite coffee or making a cup of tea something that's just really simple and that doesn't overwhelm you because I find that for myself, from what I've learned, is really that just the simple things can help us get through some really tough times. And we all go through them. It doesn't matter what our life is. Yeah, well done. So those simple things. And I think, can we just talk a bit about that conversation around the book and um, what you learnt from that? Because often, and we were, we were discussing this, that often we think that the brain is really complicated and it's outside our remit to be able to look after our brain health. I found the book really helped put it really simply that we can actually work on the health of our brain and that it's something that we have control over, that we don't have to feel that it's something that somebody else can help us fix, that we need to 
um, just spend some time each day, even if it's just a little bit of time. I found that it just helped me um, rethink how I did things and it helped myself and my husband really have the conversation about our health in our mental side of things so that we could get the best out of each day. Um, my husband also has read the book now and so it's really good to be able to discuss it as a family to be able to get the best out of what I've learnt in the book to make it useful for everybody, not only just myself but my people I love. And this is the, this is the beauty this is why we want to have these conversations, these thriving mind conversations, is because, and me too, I was in the same position, even though I'd studied the brain for 20 years, I didn't realize that I had to get agency over my brain. Up until that point, I was probing the brain down to its little bottom pieces, and I still do that because it's important to understand, um, until I had my own mental health crises, as you'd like to call it back then, and then I recognised that it was actually my life that led up to me having that crisis where I couldn't get out of bed one day and that I was the only one that was going to be able to change it. And no matter what someone was going to tell me or give me, that ability for me to take back power inside my brain was up to me. And that was the big revelation as a neuroscientist and you're saying exactly the same thing, which I'm so grateful for because that was why I wrote the book. It's not, not to make big change, but it's to help people get to have these conversations in their families because mental health got so stigmatized over such a long period. We all wanna be having these healthy conversations, don't we? For not just our partners and ourselves as adults, but our children, because our children can make the biggest impact going forward too. I think too for me, it also made me realise that the things that we go through can yes, make us anxious or not feel good about ourselves, but that we can do something to actually change it. And that's what the book helped myself and my husband be able to see that there's little things that we can do to um, each day to help ourselves not be so overwhelmed by thinking that we can't change it. Yeah, so things that are outside. So, I mean, the thing about life, we're all humans trying to navigate this planet and, it's, and, we're, be, and we're kind of becoming less of a village in some sense and more individual, and I think that's creating a lot of uptick and stress in my part of my opinion. Um, but the one thing that I've worked out is that what you just described, taking your kids to the park, for example, is free. And all of us can do that in awe what I discovered for myself, my killer morning routine is waking up and making sure I put my brain to the sunrise or outside the window and think of three things I'm grateful for. And people often think that's really crazy, but from a brain neuroscience perspective, your brain will do whatever you pay attention to. So just like you taking your, if, you, if someone takes their child to the park, then the brain's gonna be looking at the beauty of, in nature or the smiling face on their children and playing uh, is so important for kids' brains. In fact, we can actually help kids be less anxious just by those simple techniques as well. So earlier we talked about workplace stress and Shelley mentioned to me this cool strategy she has because at the moment for people out there uh, in the university world, there's a lot of pain at the moment in terms of uncertainty uh, change proposals, 
uh, people not knowing who's going to keep their job or not keep their job. And this is creating a lot of... Uh, it has an impact in the workplace, doesn't it, Shelley? Um, because people then start doing things that maybe they wouldn't be proud of doing, but they can't help themselves because they're feeling stressed out. Mm. So tell the audience about this cool technique that you have uh, developed. The, yeah, for the last few years, I've been on contract for years and um, I love it. I don't mind being on contract, but I always have this thing that if my contract doesn't get signed, that I'll have a gap year. And the gap year includes all the cool things that I would like to do if I had the time. And I know I need to have to pay for stuff. So I've included some jobs that would pay for the way. But yeah, some activities that, you know, like cheese making and helping the turtles up north and just really cool things that I think I like um, that I've included in my gap year. So that if something happened, I've got something to look forward to. And so it was not a negative out of, out of the situation that you can't control. Yeah, and I love that. So from a neuroscience perspective, everyone out there listening to Shelley, I just love that. Cause, you know, our podcast, as you know, is all about finding the cool things that people do and helping you try them too. Um, and I love this one and I'm going to use this one big time. Um, I kind of do it in small ways, but not at this level. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So from a neuroscience perspective, what Shelley is doing is instead of focusing on the negative behavior or the stress in, in the life or, or replaying, oh my God, if I lose my job, how are we going to do this, this and that? How are we going to afford this? What are we going to do for the kids? Which is what can happen to the brain, right? The brain just starts to go round and round in circles and those circles get bigger. <laughs> And, more, and that's why you get more stressed, more fearful, more anxious. That's what we're, all of us are doing that. So when you put your mind or your brain to work on this gap here, what you're immediately doing is getting the brain, because it's an amazing machine, to focus forward on something absolutely that you would love to do. And so it will actually create that in your life in many ways, because all of a sudden, I bet, on your feeds, social media feeds, emails, whatever, you're going to be seeing turtles in the north or you're going to be seeing <laughs> which cheese-making places you're going to go to. or And then all of a sudden that leads to something else like, oh, wow, you can actually go and buy a house there for like a tenth of the price in Brisbane, for example. Do you know what I mean? The Isn't the brain an amazing machine? And now all of a sudden you feel better. It's amazing. I've really found um, – I've, I've used it a lot um, with regard to just – telling people about what I would like to do. I've only given you a couple of things, but um, I've really found it's helped some people that have been really stressed out if they're gonna be losing their job or different things to just go, well, okay, what would you do if you had the opportunity? And it may not be that they even can do it, but it gives their brain a little bit of a break from the stress right then and there, and they get a smile on their face. So if there's nothing else I could offer is that that's really helped me look at something positive for the future yeah it makes so much sense though in fact we all should be doing that because let's let's face it COVID-19 situation with social distancing and not being able to travel and see family has created a situation where we can't see opportunity like that in some sense the brain is closing in people call it COVID-19 brain fog so when the brain does get stressed out like that, it shuts down opportunity seeking. 
So from a neuroscience perspective, this stress is processed in this bottom old animal part of the brain. And when you are containing that by doing these small things every day, like whether you go and find, have your favorite coffee or you connect with a friend or you go to the park, or for me, it's how I set up my morning routine and I run every day. For me, not everyone wants to do that. Everyone has a little thing that they that makes them feel good, but we try and do a healthy thing rather than just drinking alcohol or binging on sugar, for example, which is what I used to do before I discovered that aspect of it. Um, so it's it's really funny that we're having this conversation. This is what I love about podcasts. You never know quite where it might end up or sit. But my previous podcast that I just released on leadership was all about helping leaders look for opportunities in crisis and what is more important than leading your own life because this is it that's all we have and why wouldn't you go and make that cheese i love cheese (laughs) me too (laughs) so So where is this cheese making place well i've got two there's one out at stanthorpe oh stanthorpe so i'm even stayed in queensland with the current restrictions i'm even and then there's one down near where i grew up um, they've got a new cheese factory that I haven't actually gone and seen them, but I'm sure with my enthusiasm, yeah. they would take me on to help them out. Because even if I don't get paid to do the cheese making bit, I just want to be exposed to the cheese. Well, you're making. just then all of a sudden pivoting. Now you're a cheese maker. Well, I right? don't mind. So let's talk a little bit about your, because people are going to know that people are going to say it's all right for Shelley. She's clearly really resilient, and she ah. can she. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. people think, it, like you, Shelley was resistant to come on here because she said, I'm just an ordinary person, Selena. Why would anyone be interested in listening to this? And I'm saying all of us are the, sa- are the same, in my opinion. We're all struggling in different ways and trying to make the best of our, out of our life. So this is what people look at me and say the same thing to me. Um, it's all right for you. You're clearly not struggling. Um, and they think that I'm just naturally you know like this but they don't know what took to they don't see the effort that you're putting in hourly daily or whatever to have this opportunity focused brain so that's the bit I'd like you to share with your audience or people you know that anyone can do this if you want to it's just getting curious that you have the capacity to do this too and it just takes time and practice doesn't it Yeah, well, I suppose it was the end of 2018 that I read the book and what are we in October of 2020. Um, So it's been something that I've been working on and I've lapsed. I've had times where it hasn't, I haven't been as good. But I find that the more I work on it, the better I feel and that it was really... Um, nice to actually get to then speak to you recently about your book and that it has actually helped me and it made me really rethink okay well yes I need to keep working on that because I do see the positives of what I learnt and how it can help myself and my friends and my family. So can I ask you Shelley the big question in all of this is what we're trying to achieve is how how, like we're so used to believing we have no agency over our brain or our health in that regard because you can't see it and no one's really shown you that you can actually do some of these strategies and that it does end up leading to change that leads to someone like yourself wanting to become a cheesemaker for example (laughs) yes do you know what I mean like following your passion so 
how do we help people raise? How do we raise that awareness, or how do we help people become curious for themselves too, not just for other people? Because what I discovered when I first came out of my research lab to teach people about neuroplasticity, which is what you're describing, is the ability of the brain to change with effort. Most people just thought I was talking about their uncle. Or their brother. If only you could, <laughs> if could you go work with my brother? And I'm saying, and I was trying to make the um, realization that we all, it starts with us first, and that when we do it, then people mirror our behavior. So I'm just because you have friends and family, and did they look at you like you're crazy, or like what were the, like how did you start this conversation in a way that didn't make people feel like they want you to shut down or leave them alone kind of thing? Um, I think with regard to talking about it, I suppose I started with the people that I knew that were interested in the same sort of learning about how to help ourselves. Um, so friends that are really read lots of information about self-help and so forth. But I, I find that just being honest about how it's helped me, so... You know, I may not go into it de- in depth here, but things that have happened to me and how reading Smashing Mindset actually helped in personal situations that I had gone through. So with my family, I was able to go, well, I used to react this way in this situation, but I'm learning that through doing these other actions, I can actually change that. And it sort of just changed the way we talked about how... I react to my family, to my friends, to situations that we all can get put in. Um, So, yeah, it was just definitely being probably a little bit more vulnerable about myself, Mm. which actually helped the conversation of, well, I am trying to work on that. Yeah, and that we can. That we can do something about it. Yeah, and I think for me personally in my own family and situation was um, as I got better, it then radiated out to people around me like my and then through mirror neurons which sit up in the top part of the brain then people start copying you in a sense without you realizing it too I do find that um, I smile a lot (laughs) and I didn't realize how much I smiled until I have total strangers in the street smiling back at me and that really resonated with the smashing mindset is people mirror you so it really does make a difference on how you interact with other people. And I find I've always been a smiling person and I try sometimes to, to hold it back, but it's, no, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> um, Please don't stop that. Our world needs more of yes, it, not less. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I find that's probably um, – I know that sometimes I do I, I giggle a lot when I'm nervous, but – People, Do you um, think it's our country girl genes? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I, yeah, I think I've just always been like that. Um, but it, it, I think it sometimes has always covered over if I have been stressed and people have just assumed that I'm confident. But a lot of the time it's actually that I don't know what to do. So this smashing mindset and working on my brain actually being able to control how I think about something... I still giggle when I'm nervous, but I can actually think a bit better because I'm not reacting as quick 
to a situation. So So that's stress reaction we talk about a lot on the podcast. Um, It's a brain thing. It's just in the amygdala and... Mm -hmm. And it's not not you. It's just the brain, and that's the brain. The brain was designed over millions of years of history, and that's what I love about um, moving conversations to brain health and fitness because it takes it away from the person onto the muscle, like in your arm. And I love what you just said because what you've done is actually you've driven a new circuit situation where the brain's learning how to sit back and think, um, and it only takes moving it from millisecond to a second because that circuit's so fast in the brain and that's the snake circuit that you see on these cats and cucumber videos. And the more you practice this through those little strategies you use every day from the minute you wake up, the more you're driving your ability to respond or think over react to a situation. In the workplace, we really need that right now. We really need that right now, don't we, Shelley? We really do need to help um, ourselves and also each other because at the moment it is it is a stressful space. Um, you know, we do have some good leaders in our workplaces, but it doesn't change the fact that there's outside sources that are impacting on our workplaces as well. So just not only being there for our family and friends, but also being there for our work colleagues, I think is really important at the moment. Um, and just to be gentle, to, to realise that some people's reactions are just because they don't know what to do. And um, so, yeah, so talking today with you has, you know, been interesting and made me appreciate that I've learnt something that I'm grateful that I read and was able to understand that I could actually do something about exactly. my brain. And, and Shelley found this book by accident and then read it and the book and it's not to to promote the book it's just to teach that the book was written with 20,000 words can be read in two hours and it has illustrations to make it that simple to demonstrate that obviously this is not a cure for anything it's just a way to get a conversation started it's a way to help people like I did for myself um, to develop this understanding and curiosity about the agency we have. And in fact, if we don't get the agency, unfortunately, I wish it wasn't like this, the brain runs the show because that's how it was designed. It was designed to keep you feeling safe. And the reason that it's not anyone's fault that they're reacting or that they're stressed out, it's just everyone's brain is really different and wired differently. And, uh, and it's just designed because of this uncertainty. For some people, that uncertainty can make them really stressed out. For some other people that are feeling a bit stronger, it'll make them see more opportunities, for example, at a baseline. But what we're trying to say is you, know, you can teach your brain new tricks. You're not stuck with a brain you think that you have or that you've inherited. All of us have a brain that comes from a genetic blueprint that's then moulded by the environments that we grew up in. And I think, I don't know about Shelley's, we haven't talked about your country upbringing. Um, I don't know if you want to share any of that. I, I was brought up in a small country town and I'm actually really grateful for mine because I got to play out in the yard and I was basically raised as a free range chicken, <laughs> organically farmed. I didn't have many, there was not much control happening. It was very, we were very free. At one end, that was fabulous 
from for developing I think a sense of agency and resiliency and lack of and being able to be on your own and not get too bored you can always find things to do at the other end it's probably not like being a helicoptered parent where you don't get trained to sit with the piano long enough and things like that so I don't know what your experience was growing up oh well, I grew up on a farm um I had loving my parents or and family really loving I had multi-generational so I had my great grandparents uh, great-grandmother grandparents my great-great-uncle there's a multi-generational household so I was very grateful to have that because it taught me um, about different interactions with different people from a very young age Um, and so for me I've always been interested in people um, and helping people and being there to and so growing up in the country, I don't know if I would say I specifically liked it, but I'm grateful that I did because living now in Brisbane, in the city, um, it is just a big country town, but I can see and appreciate what's happening out in the country. And so, yeah, you have just a different understanding of how people in different ways are living. And so it just, yeah, I, I don't know, I really just have a open understanding of country life and city life mm-hmm. and so it's really yeah. good that multi-generational if it's if it's a healthy one is really really good for your brain development we now know that through um, brain imaging studies that toxic stress gets embedded into the brain architecture and then a loving home in fact having a love they call it serve and return but having that having multi-generational parenting or support really buffers multiple generations of stress and allows the brain to be more resilient and stronger. Um, We now know that, we didn't know that until probably the last 30 or 40 years of research, but now with brain imaging technology, we now know that uh, for some people that don't have that same luck, have the opposite thing happen, which then makes their ability to manage stress much more difficult. And so that's when this neuroplasticity concept is so important um, because that's what, because basically that's the best way forward in terms of it being able to manage your life over a long term is to be able to manage the way you handle stress because stress is not going away, is it? No, it's not going away. <laughs> Unfortunately, even if we head out to the cheese-making factories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love that. So, so uh, thank you, Shelley, for joining us today. Um, please, do you have anything else you'd like to share? Any other tips or tricks from a family conversation perspective uh, that might help I th- anyone? I think everybody now knows that I do some interesting things to work on my mental health, um, my brain health. I definitely feel that it's helped me and the reason why I was happy to speak with you today was the fact that if I could help others to see that it can be done that you know it's a it's an everyday process it's not something that I'm going to say that you can't stop doing it no so it's simple it's, but not easy yeah you, you just do it every keep, day you got to keep <laughs> just doing it so no I don't have anything else to um I say yeah I, I think the nice thing that I see is what you did is also now helping your family so because often what we see is we think we need it's someone else's problem to deal with first and then everything will be better if they do. But what you're saying is 
you could do something and then you could help someone else and then that had a flow on circle of influence and it all starts with ourselves first doesn't it and that's what we're all about is thriving minds thriving communities thriving families so you know our bottom line is brain health is becoming everyone's business we do have a little bit of agency um, we can become curious about what these little things we that work for us like what resonates for Shelley uh, may not resonate for you, but it's the same concept. If, if you are feeling uncertain about your future, if it feels really stressful at work, have that gap year thought. I love that one. I'm implementing that one immediately. My gap year goes to Antarctica, to Patagonia, to hiking, to climbing, to learning to scuba dive. I could just go on and on and on. So maybe I have a gap century um so thank you for listening everyone and specifically thank you Shelley for sharing that because it's not easy to come on and for the first time but you can see it's pretty straightforward it's not as hard as you think Um, but the beautiful nature of this is once we put it up there you'll be able to share it with your friends and family and know that you're going to make a difference for other people Um, And I think everyone deserves to be happy, healthy and strong. And that's our aim. We just want to open the conversation, understand that brain health and fitness is for everybody and for anyone. Just get curious and learn some more. Um, I'm creating a new website and I'm writing a new book called Brain Health Becomes Everyone's Business so that we can become we can spread the word about this conversation and and help people enter the conversation to make life a little bit easier for everybody and I think as a country we really need to be helping everyone right now I I said on my webinar yesterday um, that I believe that this is a World World War II effort that our country does not have enough resources available to help people that are going to be struggling over the next little while. And it's no one's fault. I mean, we had to do what we had to do to keep people alive, you know, and we don't want people to die from a terrible infection. So we didn't really have a lot of choice, but now we now we, we do now have to implement brain health and fitness to help flatten the mental health pending crisis curve that's coming and um, or unfolding so thank you Shelley know that you're doing something for our country as you help people come up with these thoughts and ideas because not all of us have these great ideas do we uh, maybe not so I'm um, hopefully it helps somebody I'm really hope just that's all I can ask yeah thank you and thank you your family bye everyone bye <laughs>